everyone, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to Insurance Uncovered. Now in Season 5 of NAMIC's podcast, we are featuring all new insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. I'm your host, Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering wildfire mitigation, how Colorado lawmakers hope to protect homeowners with a slew of new bills focused on fire preparedness and response. Plus, Indiana Insurance Commissioner Amy Beard on how the pandemic has created some positive lasting changes for the State Department of Insurance. It was less than two months ago that the Marshall Fire tore through Colorado. That's when lawmakers approved nearly $30 million in wildfire mitigation grants. The December 2021 wildfire was the largest in state history, burning roughly 6,000 acres and destroying more than 1,000 homes. It followed another string of record-breaking wildfires in 2020. With the fire still fresh in their minds, lawmakers are now feeling a sense of urgency responding to that tragedy with a whole host of bills. Here's NAMIC's Lauren Anderson with a look at some of what lawmakers hope to accomplish this session for fire preparedness and response. A Colorado House panel passed three bills that aim to spend nearly $27.5 million over the next two years on grant programs to encourage mitigation strategies and combat more frequent and intense wildfires. If enacted, the bills would establish three separate grant programs to incentivize wildfire mitigation efforts. NAMIC Regional Vice President John Schnauts says it's no surprise that wildfire legislation is a major focus this session. The three bills reported from committee last week are the single biggest state financial commitment to wildfire mitigation in Colorado history. We see a lot of legislation focused on the aftermath of fires, but these bills really focus on preventing and reducing damage in the first place. Representative Lisa Cutler says Colorado mitigated only 6% of the state's high-priority areas from 2008 to 2017. She also added the Colorado State Forest Service estimates the mitigation efforts were underfunded by nearly $4.2 billion. It is clear that we must do more to protect Colorado from wildfires. Our inability to meet the challenge of wildfire mitigation has cost our state dearly. House Bill 1011 is the most expensive of the three bills voted on at the hearing and would fund efforts such as forest thinning, wildfire fuel reduction, and public outreach. House Bill 1012 would add a supplementary grant program to the current Forest Restoration and Wildfire Risk Mitigation Grant Program to fund local government's wildfire prevention and recovery efforts to reduce the carbon footprint. And House Bill 1007 would create a grant program for recipients who conduct outreach among landowners in wildfire hazard areas about available resources and best practices for wildfire mitigation. The bill also ends tax deduction for landowners that offsets wildfire mitigation expenses, replacing it with an income tax credit beginning in 2023. All the bills passed, but Representative Andres Pico was notably the only panel member to vote against two of them. Why are we paying local landowners to do their own their mitigation when, you know, their big incentive would be to keep their keep their house from burning down? So I absolutely believe mitigation uh, is critical, but why should the state be paying local landowners to take care of their own property? In response, Cutler said the increasingly devastating nature of Colorado's wildfires makes it a state issue and that it is up to state policymakers to step up and help prevent future tragedies. We are long overdue to create a sustainable, forward-thinking plan to reduce the impact that wildfires have on our state. Coloradans are counting on us to do more to address our wildfire problems 
wildfire problem. NAMIC has long supported pre-disaster mitigation efforts. Schnauz says these bills are a step in the right direction to protect homeowners in Colorado. The historic wildfire losses in Colorado in just the last few years are a clear challenge to the state's resiliency and to the property insurance market. Bills like these, we think, are a welcome part of the conversation about how the state moves forward in keeping coverage available and affordable. For Insurance Uncovered, I'm Lauren Anderson. NAMIC is also helping further pre-disaster mitigation efforts at the federal level. In Washington, the House Transportation Committee held a hearing to discuss ways to improve oversight of FEMA's activities at the state and local level that could be made within FEMA from a whole agency perspective. The conversation focused on the Resilient America Act, which includes several provisions designed to protect homes, communities, and infrastructure in the face of climate risk. Specifically, the staff has asked the NAMIC-led Build Strong Coalition for suggestions on ways that FEMA's Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities program can be better administered. They noted issues that applicants have had when attempting to utilize BRIC funds to enforce modern building codes and how the Resilient America Act will help solve this problem by creating a set-aside within BRIC that ensures 10% of BRIC funds will be used toward code enforcement. Pandemic risk insurance continues to be a top consideration for members of Congress. NAMIC will participate in a panel with other industry representatives today to communicate the dangers of putting the insurance industry in the middle of pandemic relief efforts. H.R. 5823 seeks to create a federal risk-sharing mechanism with no cap on the liability insurers would be exposed to. Government Affairs Counsel Andrew Pauley will represent NAMIC and its members at the roundtable event to explain why pandemics are an uninsurable risk. Insurance was not designed to insure policyholders who are all expected to suffer losses at the same time. Additionally, a lot of the current losses by businesses were due to government shutdown orders and CDC compliance to avoid spread of the virus and not due to insurable physical tangible destruction of insured property. Further, sufficient premium in each state must be charged to adequately cover expected losses and ensure operations to prevent causing insolvency. Consequently, asking insurers to cover open-ended, essentially unlimited pandemic exposure would undermine these state laws and vital consumer protections. Given the enormity of the risk involved, these laws would require companies to charge unaffordable rates for coverage, which predictably would result in extremely low uptake by consumers. Polly will also encourage members of the committee not to create a new federal pandemic backstop that essentially equates to taxpayer bailouts designed to protect politicians who may support policies in the future that close our national economy. Indiana has a new insurance commissioner. Amy Beard replaced Steve Robertson in 2021 following his 10 years in that role. On today's Unscripted, NAMIC Senior Vice President of State Affairs, Aaron Collins, is sitting in for Neil Aldridge as our guest host. Aaron recently sat down with Indiana Commissioner Beard to discuss her role and the goals for the state insurance market. Well, this is a real treat for me. Not only do I get to be the guest host on this week's Unscripted segment, but I also get a chance to interview uh, someone I've known for quite a while and welcome to the home office here in Indy. So joining me today is the newly appointed Indiana State Commissioner, Amy Beard. 
She's visiting us here from uh, her office just downtown in Indianapolis and, and getting to know our team today. So we want to make uh, sure we take some time to chat with her about her new role and vision for the future. So thanks for joining us today, Amy. Well, thank you, Erin. It's so great to be here today, and I appreciate your time. Right. So jumping right in, you, you took over this role in June of last year. So tell us about your path uh, to the commissioner's seat and how you came to insurance regulation originally. So originally, I thought I was going to go the big law route, um, but at the end of my time during my law school tenure, I really thought about how I wanted to give back and serve. I've been blessed to have been supported by scholarships and mentors, and um, government and nonprofit work was really up my alley. Insurance is big in Indiana, and so I thought it would be a great industry to be in, and so I took a pro bono position with the Indiana Department of Insurance, and I worked my way up starting as an intern and then a staff attorney at DOI. Um, eventually, I became general counsel. I realized I had a knack for synthesizing lots of moving parts in an ever-changing industry, insurance sector. Um, and while COVID became a national statewide emergency, um, I was briefly, briefly in the governor's office. Um, it was an incredibly stressful time, but the governor and his leadership within the office was a stabilizing force for the state. Even being there briefly showed me how the government can balance public safety with reasonable policies that do not cripple, cripple the economy. Um, the previous commissioner had invested more than a decade at the helm, and after so much contribution, he decided to step down. And I happened to have an in-depth understanding of the inner workings of the IDOI and also a wide perspective on the insurance industry. So I'm humbled to hear that many within the industry had brought my infective past work to light, and I'm grateful that Governor Holcomb entrusted me with such an immense responsibility. We're, we're happy about that, too, and, and we're happy to have you uh, at the helm and, and looking forward to, to working with you and your team. So can you tell us a little bit about your goals uh, for Indiana, making sure that there's a healthy insurance market? Absolutely. One of the most important parts about IDOI regulation is to recognize what the right balance is between consumer protection, employment in the insurance sector, along with healthy business growth and impending innovations that will cause a productive disruption in the sector. Having a breadth of experience interfacing with leaders in the industry along with constant communications with staff and citizens over time gives me the right perspective um, on creating a healthy insurance market and system within the state. We want Indiana to be a model state for others to discover new ideas, and we ourselves are open to borrowing the best ideas from states who appear to get the right balance among all parties. I think some of the main goals of the department going forward this year is the all-payer claims database, the APCD, which will be a huge repository of claims data being um, pulled into one system under the department's helm. And then looking at education for producers and consumers and companies and trying to do some more outreach and webinars. We also want to team up with the Indiana Economic Development Corporation and try to really promote the insurance industry here in Indiana. That's awesome. So uh, shifting tactics a little bit, uh, you know, one of the 
spaces that, that you're going to have to uh, work in and that we all um, pay a lot of attention to is the NEIC. So what do you envision your role and your team's role uh, to be at the NEIC? Are there aspects that you're really interested in? And, and given that there are several new commissioners in this region, do you think that there's synergy that's going to happen there uh, with that new leadership at, at NEIC, especially coming from the, from the Midwest? Absolutely. So for the 2022 year, Indiana has been asked to serve as a member of the NEIC's Health Insurance and Managed Care B Committee and the new Innovation, Cybersecurity and Technology H Committee. The insurance industry in Indiana has expressed interest in both committees due to the hot topic issues that directly relate to and affect the insurance industry here in Indiana. Um, one part of being a newly appointed commissioner is that we all bring fresh, fresh perspectives to the table along with new ideas and questions, and these inevitably lead to interstate discussions among those who are experts in subfields within insurance. Um, I'm on the B&H committees and will be leading the exam task force at the NEIC and the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, and we constantly share ideas and discuss issues that can help grow a healthy insurance market within our respective states. Great. So you mentioned your time in the governor's office during this uh, wild time of, of pandemic. Um, and, you know, certainly we thank you and on behalf of all of our teammates here in home office who are residents of Indiana, thank the thank you and the governor's office for, for efforts around COVID-19. Um, but also your time in the department. Uh, how has the department evolved since the onset of, of COVID-19? And are there maybe some lasting changes that you see? Uh, or, you know, will we sort of move fully out of things and how they've worked uh, during covid COVID has been a, a task for all of us to try to work through and evolve. And so we have maintained a hybrid and remote working um, program for divisions that have demonstrated the successful ability to do so. So not all of the department is hybrid or working remotely, but most of our divisions are, and they are about two days a week um, working from home. And in the past, the IDOI has been um, challenged with maybe adapting to new innovations when it comes with tech to technology. And so we're trying to do an oversight or an overhaul of all of the technology services within our department. And while the IDOI has implemented some electronic systems and processes, there's still so much to be done. And so in 2022, the IDOI is looking to require premium tax returns, for example, to be submitted electronically. Nothing huge to disrupt industry again or hurt consumers, but little things that should make our processes um, more efficient. That sounds great. So, you know, last question, just zooming back out. What, uh, what emerging issues do you see out there on the horizon, either for insurance regulation or the industry or both? So, as many people may expect, um, advanced technologies have disrupted and innovated in all industries, and insurance is no exception. We can expect advanced artificial intelligence systems to automate so many processes within the insurance sector given the data that's collected and analyzed on a microsecond by second basis, for example. And I think that some of the departments are starting to integrate some of those changes into um, the rate and review forms filings, for example. 
Um, we're always thinking about how parties can improve data security to prevent and mitigate efforts by malicious operators. And so something that the Department of Insurance is currently going through is we started collecting cybersecurity notices of um, any breaches, cybersecurity threats as of July 1st of 2021. And so in 2022, companies are going to have to report any data breaches to the department, but also submit a yearly report talking about compliance. And so we're developing a form right now for the industry to use. And so I think we're just trying to operate to protect consumers the best we can while trying to allow companies to innovate. And those are some of the challenges that we see on the horizon. Great. Well, thank you so much for for spending some time with us today, Commissioner, and for spending my maiden voyage as a guest host with me. Uh, so on behalf of, of NAMIC's 1,500 member companies and all of us here at Home Office, thank you for being here. Uh, and if, uh, if you need anything from us, let us know, but we're very much looking forward to your tenure and wish you the best of luck. Well, thank you, Erin. It's been great to be here today. And that's it for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. Join us again on March 9th as we celebrate a major milestone for the podcast. We'll be celebrating our 100th episode. In the meantime, if there is a topic or issue that you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a wonderful day.